listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Good morning. So we are just over three quarters of the way through 2020. And so if you were going to describe how the year has gone so far, what words would you use? Yeah. So if you could only choose one emoji, uh, what emoji would you choose? I think I like this one the best right here as far as describing uh, 2020. That would be mine. You know, I, I don't want to limit the whole year to a single story like I never want to limit a person to a single story. Because there are many stories about 2020. One that I love is that in a time of uncertainty, in a time of the unknown, we turn to God and we found God was there for us. Amen? However, there are other narratives about 2020 that are real too. And so I'm just going to warn you, this is a little bleak. But when I think about 2020, I'll put it on the screen. I think 2020 has been a year of division for us. And so if you say, what do you mean by a year of division? I would say, well, I think we are divided as a nation you know, primarily in three categories. You may add others to this or you may disagree with my list. It's okay. It's my list. So we don't have to be on the same page, but I think we're divided terribly politically. So in my lifetime, I don't remember when we've experienced greater political division than we've experiencing right now. I think we are divided terribly when it comes to race relations. There's great division in our nation regarding race. And there's also great division over just the pandemic. There's all kinds of opinions and everything else until the point that we are basically divided over that. Now, I will say this to you, that I do believe that the divisions that we're experiencing in race and in the pandemic are heightened by politics without a doubt. The bottom line is we're divided. So I wish I could stand up this morning and look into the camera and say to you at home and look around the room and say to you here and even those of you in the smoking section up there that (laughs) the church, the church has been unharmed through all of this, but it's not true. The truth of the matter is, in all of this divisiveness, the church is in the middle of it. But it's time. And I think we all know deep in our hearts that it's time in the church that we rise up and that we be the church and that we're the ones who lead the way in healing conversations in this nation. Somebody has got to do something, and I believe it's the church of Jesus Christ that has to do something now. So if that's the context, let's talk about you for a moment in this conversation regarding division and and uh, conversations. Okay, what what do you want? What do you want in all of this? When we think about decisive, divisive rather conversations, I think you want what I want, what everybody else wants. You want to be heard. You want to be able to walk away from a conversation saying I was understood. I was listened to. The other person, I believe, knows what I think. I think they know what I feel, and I think they know what I believe. I think I was listened to. And so just think with me for a minute, and you may have to dig a little ways back, but when is the last time you had what you would call a meaningful conversation, a healing conversation, where you walked away from the conversation saying, Pastor Rick, I'm telling you, I was with this person on this day, 
at this place and I had a meaningful healing conversation and I felt like the person understood me. I felt like they knew what I was thinking. They knew what I was feeling. They knew what I believed. I did not feel judged. In fact, I felt like that I was known. So let me take the question to a second level. How long has it been since you were in a conversation like that where the other person would also say, I think I was listened to. And I think I walked away also feeling like the person listened to me, knew what I felt, and knew what I believed. Let me take the conversation to yet a third level. Are you ready? When is the last time you had a conversation with somebody where both of you mutually walked away believing that you were understood, listened to, that both of you would say, I was understood to the point that the other person knows what I believed, what I felt, and what I thought. And that person was very different from me. In other words, we didn't feel or believe or think the same things. See, those are the conversations that we're just not having these days. And so I've been telling you that I'm going to be using a book to help us guide ourselves through the series. And it's a book by a friend of mine. Actually, he's a Nazarene pastor out in California. His name is Dave Roberts. And the book is titled Healing Conversations. And it will kind of guide us along. And here's what Dave says. Dave says, let me just show you on the screen, relational intimacy is the missing piece. Do you know what I long for in my life? I long for relational intimacy. I want to look into the eyes of other human beings and feel a sense of togetherness. I want to feel loved. I want to feel cared for. I want to feel respected. I want to have a sense of closeness with other human beings. And Dave says we're missing this relational intimacy. And one of the reasons we're missing the relational intimacy is because we don't know really how to talk to each other. It, it's kind of ironic in a way when you think about it because, because technology has given us the opportunity to talk to more people more than we've ever been able to in our lives. So my wife Annette is not with me this week. She's been out of town all week. She's been in Cincinnati with our granddaughter, Sadie. Sadie's mother and father have been on, out of town on a trip, and Annette has been there staying with her. Do you know what I do about four times a day with Sadie and Annette? I FaceTime with them. So even though they're over 800 miles from me, I take out my phone, I call them, and we just kind of talk to each other face-to-face. I look into their eyes, they look into mine, we have conversations. Sometimes Annette turns the phone around and just lets me watch Sadie play. So, so last night, I said to Sadie while we were talking, I said, Sadie, tomorrow's Sunday. And tomorrow, your mommy and daddy are coming home. Are you excited? And Sadie looked up at me from where she was playing and just did this. <laughs> I mean, she, she has Nettie, you know, every day, all day, 100% to herself. She can do anything she wants and have anything she wants. Who would want to mess with a program like that, right? <laughs> but in all of our ability to communicate more with all the modes, mediums that are out there, it seems that we're having less real conversations. I want you to look at me just for a minute, okay? 
before in your mind you go somewhere like this this may be good for some people but i don't think i really need what rick's talking about let's just think about your relationships what do you mean rick i mean i mean your relationships if you're married your relationship with your spouse let's start there if not think with me about your relationships with family members or your relationships with friends or your relationships with co-workers or your relationships with classmates and so just you know engage with me for a moment will you just on a scale of one to ten will you one being the lowest ten being the highest would you just rate the overall health of the relationships in your life the people that you know best So before you just get real excited and give yourself a 9.5, you might want to ask your spouse or somebody really close to you how they think you're doing, and you might get knocked down to a 6. You know what I'm saying? And you may kind of wave it off by saying, you know, most of my family is nuts. I'm just telling you a true story. But really engage with me in this conversation. Think about the relationships in your life. How would you rate the overall health of the relationships of the people that you're closest to in your own life? You see, it's not something that's way out there. It starts right here with the people that you know best and love the most. I'm 58 years old and there's a lesson that I have to learn over and over and over again. And that lesson is that one of the best things I can do in my day is without a television on or a phone in my hand stop and have a conversation with my wife and let her walk away and let me walk away feeling like we heard each other and I know what she was thinking and I know what she was feeling and I know what she believes about this particular issue so why don't we dive into God's Word today, okay? James chapter 1. I'm going to read one verse to you. I think it's very unusual that I would only read one verse, but that's what I'm going to do today. James chapter 1 verse 26. So these words I'm going to level with you are going to be pretty straightforward. James is one of those cut to the chase, no nonsense, get to the point, bottom line kind of thinkers. And all of his writing, his writing reflects that. So here we go. You ready? Those of you who consider themselves religious... How many people in the room would say, I consider myself religious? Hand in the air. Okay, now if we all participate in this next exercise, how many of you <laughs> think you're religious? I think most of us would say, I'm fairly religious. Um, and yet, if you consider yourself religious and yet do not keep, I repeat, do not keep a tight rein on what? A tight rein on their tongues. A person who says... I'm a religious person, Pastor Rick, but I don't really pay attention to my words or how I talk to people or what I say to others. James says, you deceive yourself. You've got to be kidding yourself. And their religion is worthless. If you say, I'm a person of faith, I love God, I follow Jesus, but I'm not very concerned about the way I talk to people. James says, you got to be kidding yourself. That religion has no value. So as if we need more, let me give you a quote from Jesus, okay? Jesus says, 
in Matthew. But I tell you that everyone, that doesn't mean some, that means you and that means me, that means all of us. Everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. What for? For every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus is saying that the words that we speak will have eternal consequences in our lives. Let me give you one other quote by Jesus in the book of Matthew also. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. Well, Jesus, please tell us what defiles a person. Jesus says, but that, but what rather comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. See, if, if you want to kind of come into this conversation today and say, hey, Pastor Rick, can I just, can I just be frank with you, okay? I, uh, I don't really pay a lot of attention to what I say to people. I'm probably not real careful with my words. I, I tell people what I'm thinking. And, and it really doesn't matter to me. Here's what I would say to you. Well, it matters to God. In fact, it matters a lot to God. It matters so much to God that He tells us in His Word how much it matters to Him. So I'm going to give you one more line from Jesus. You're probably going to want to write it down. I'm going to ask you to memorize it. And we're going to carry it with us through this series. These are big words. They're from Jesus. Here's what he says. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another version says, the heart, rather the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now now think about it with me. If you hang out with somebody for about a week, you go on a missions trip with them, you share the room with them, you spend about a week with somebody, you go through highs and lows, all kinds of conversations. I'm I'm just telling you that after about a week, you're probably going to know pretty well what's in their heart. Because what is in a person's heart, Jesus says, comes out of their mouth. So when people hang out with you for a while, they're pretty much going to know what's in your heart. Because whatever's in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. And so many times the issue is not what I'm saying. The issue is my heart. So if relational intimacy is what we're missing... Let's talk about for a minute why we're missing it, okay? Here we go. Let me show you a picture. How many of you know who this guy is? All right. You want to sing the song together? Me neither. Okay. Popeye was one of those easygoing guys, you know? He was just a good get-along kind of a guy. Go along to get along. But he always had these nemesis in his life that made his life really tough. And finally, what, you remember his girlfriend's name? She was usually the source of his problem. Uh, She was easily wooed, if you remember very well. Popeye would go along, he would go along, and finally he would just reach his boiling point. When he reached his boiling point, he had this line that he said every time. Do you remember the line? I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. 
At that point, he would open the can of spinach, he would down it in one gulp, flex his muscle, and then he would mop up the floor with whoever his opponent was. I'm Popeye the sailor man, I'm Popeye the sailor man, I eat lots of spinach, I'm Popeye the sailor man, I'm stronger than you, I'm Popeye the sailor man. What was the next line? It was toot toot, I think. Yeah. I live in a climate right now where I think that he pretty well describes my world today. I, I think I'm looking at people. I think there are people listening to me online. I think, I think there's a lot of people saying, hey, Rick Carver, you, you, want it, you want me to tell you where I'm at in this whole thing? I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. I'm fed up. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm over it. And when we get to that point, it's a huge barrier in ever having again a healing conversation. Dave Roberts in his book says there are many barriers to healing conversations. He talks about barriers like the right-wrong trap. It's easy to fall into. Because if you and I are having a conversation and I'm struggling and I really don't agree with your side of it, what happens is I kind of begin to wish that I could uh, be right. Everybody wants to be right. The problem with me having to be right is I have to make you wrong, okay? And so then instead of resolving the issue, it's all about winning or losing. When we fall into the right-wrong trap, there is no hope for a healing conversation to ever occur. Dave talks about other issues. He talks about extremism. I don't have to explain to you what that means. You right now are living in a world where there are people with extreme points of view that make you really concerned. You're saying things like this. What in the world are they thinking? And you and I probably have friends and family members in our lives where there are some conversations we cannot have. We know those conversations are completely off limits because they are so far over there in the conversation, we can't even talk about it. He says there's another barrier, and that's the barrier of hiding hiding within. Hiding within what? Hiding, hiding within tribes. So whether you're part of a political tribe or whether you're part of a denominational tribe or whatever kind of a tribe you're in, you and I probably know what it's like to want to defend my tribe at times, right? Or sometimes I'm just mad at everybody else in the other tribe. There's nothing wrong with being part of a tribe. It's hiding in the tribe to the point that there is not a possibility, even a possibility ever again for a conversation. That's when the danger occurs. So let me just give you something. And if you haven't read chapters 1 through 7, hope you get to read them this week. The book is called Healing Conversations. I hope you buy it. Dave says we talk for three general purposes, okay? Number one, we talk to communicate information. I'll pick you up at 6 o'clock. Just transferring information. When Timmy stood here a few moments ago and he made the announcements on Sunday morning, that's, the, that's what that's all about. I'm communicating information. There's some stuff I need to transfer to your brain, okay? The second reason we talk is to pursue an agenda. If I can just convince you to see things from my perspective, if you can just see that I'm right and you're wrong, 
If I can just sway you over, if I can just get you to think like me, if I can just get you to come along, if I can convince you that I am right. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? The problem is two things are going to happen when we communicate for that reason. Either the other person, based on their personality, gets into the conversation, it becomes an argument, and they try to defend their point of view. Or if the other person just shuts down and says, there's no conversation happening here today, I'm out. I'm done. It's over. And Dave says the third reason we talk is to have really healing conversations. Where there is generous hospitality expressed. And where people are really free to share their hearts and they are listened to and the person on the other end really does understand what they believe and what they feel and what they think. Do you know what keeps us from having relational intimacy? Here's what it is. Think with me for a minute. Okay, here we go. Look at the screen. When we communicate only to convince our others of our point of view, relational intimacy becomes impossible possible when I come to the place that I want to engage with you in a conversation and I've got one agenda and that is agenda is simply to convince you of my point of view and to get you see things from my perspective relational intimacy is not going to occur see this is hard because there's times in my life when I've decided I'm right (laughs) And you know what? You really need, Maxwell, you really need to see my point of view on this one. I need to bring you along because I've got the handle on the truth. And so not long ago, I was with a family member. And my conversation went there. And before I knew it, I had spent a half hour trying to convince them of my point of view and they had spent a half hour trying to convince me of their point of view. And the relationship was not meaningful. It was not healthy. And it was not helpful. And I had to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. And I had to go to God and ask for forgiveness. Because when God commissioned me to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, he had way higher hopes of my conversations than that. This is where James weighs in. And James says, if you think there is no relationship between your relationship with God and how you talk to other people, you got to be kidding yourself, man. And what he basically is saying is if your conversations are not loving and if your conversations are not caring and if your words are not grace-filled and if they're not edifying, then you are deceiving yourselves if you think God is good with that. Just look at the fruit of your conversations. It's easy. What comes out of the conversations that I'm having? What are they producing? Are they producing what God intends? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to dive deep into James. It's not going to take long to do so, but I really want you to understand it. As you understand his world, at some point you're going to get new insight 
And then that new insight is going to be transferred into your world and into your own heart. So you ready? We're going to dive in. Now, you must pay close attention because there will be a test in a few moments, okay? And you don't want to fail the test. So here we go. In James' world, that's where we're at, okay? In James' world. You ready? There are Romans and Greeks. They have many temples and they have many images of their gods. The way they outwardly express their religion is to go to those many temples where there are many images of their gods. They pray to those images and they give offerings to them. It's going to be a test, so I hope you got that. Let's talk about Jews in James' world. Jews, they have one God. They have no images of Him. They've only got one temple. And that's in Jerusalem. And so what is their outward expression of their religion? It is keeping the purity and the dietary laws that God gave them to keep. Okay, these are God-given laws, right? That's how they outwardly express their religion. All right. Who had many temples and many images of their gods? Greeks and Romans. Who had only one God, no images of Him, and only one temple? Okay. So Christianity comes into that world. You ready for this? I think you're going to love it. When Christianity comes in, they invite the Greeks and the Romans and the Jews, Gentiles and Christians. So what becomes a real point of contention is keeping the laws. And so there were two thoughts of how we deal with this. So one group said, well, I think all the Gentiles should just become Jews to become Christians. And so some people did. Do you know what they were called? Judaizers. Judaizers were people who were not born Jews. They were born Gentiles, Greeks and Romans. And they said, okay, we want to be Christians, but we're going to go along with this train of thought that to be Christians, we really need to keep all the laws and basically become Jews to become Christians. There was another train of thought among people like James and Paul and many others who said, no, these laws do not define Christianity because Jesus has fulfilled the law. So now, here's where we're going. Lean in. When James writes this verse that I gave you just a moment ago, he chooses a word. And the word that he chooses for religious, a religion, those who are religious, those who see themselves as religious, he uses the word that would describe people who keep laws. And so here's the application. He's saying, look at you guys. You're keeping all of these laws meticulously. You're so careful to make sure that you do all of these things and that you don't do any of these other things. And you think that if you keep all of those laws, regardless of how you talk to people, you're good with God. You're kidding yourself. Because how you talk to people really matters to God. And so it's easy for us to say, can you believe those people? No, it's our story too. Because we have laws. We've made up a bunch of laws. If I just go to church, and if I give in the offering, and if I don't go to this place, and if I don't do this, then God and me, we're okay, right? 
And James says it depends on how you handle your conversations. Wow. See, if you walk in the room saying, I, I just say what I think. It doesn't matter to me. It matters to God. It matters to God a lot. And here's the truth of the matter. We're talking about controlling our tongue. We're talking about relational intimacy. Here's the truth of the matter. And you knew it when you walked in the door. You don't need me to tell you. Relational intimacy can only happen when we are in control of our conversations. You and I know that it's not going to happen if we are loose and not careful with the way we talk to the other person. So here's, here's how I think we respond. It's a knee-jerk response. We say, okay. <laughs> well, I, I desire relational intimacy in my life like everybody else. I, I want a better relationship with my mom or my dad or my sisters or my brothers or, you know, my spouse or my kids or, you know, just make the list friends, coworkers, classmates. Yeah, I want, I want relational intimacy. Rick, you're right. I do. I'm like everybody else, of course. I want close friends. I want to look deep into the eyes of other people and know that there's care and love on the other side and, and that we're connected and that we're together and that we respect each other and all of those kinds of things. So why don't you just do this for me over these next few weeks in this you know, sermon series called Healing Conversation. Just give me the five easy, quick steps to have better conversations and I'll do better. Help me to make myself better, right? Problem with that kind of thinking. We've already heard Jesus say it. It's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. There's not enough self-help books on the shelves. It only changes when God changes our hearts. When the Holy Spirit begins just to do His work in us. Okay. I'm going to be as frank as I've ever been with you. It's easy to say today, the world's nuts. I mean, the world's just crazy right now. I'm okay, but the world has lost its way. When the truth of the matter is this, that at best, and I mean at best, We are all deeply flawed individuals that God refuses to give up on. At best, we are deeply flawed individuals that God refuses to give up on. We need Him to change our hearts. 
We need to be the light and the hope of the world in this divisive time. So I'm going to give you some homework. You like homework? Have a meaningful conversation this week with somebody. It would be awesome if you could have one with somebody who's really different than you. Who doesn't think, feel, or believe like you do. And then let me know how it goes. Send me an email. Send me a text. My number is BR549. Yeah. Let me know how it's going. I would love to hear from you. If you have one of those experiences, tell me about it. I want to know. And then there's a couple of things you can do to get a lot of a mileage out of this. Buy, buy the book and read it and stay up with me, okay? And the other thing that you can do, the other thing that you can do is simply this. We have life learning groups that are forming right now. And there are some groups, and you can find them on our website and on our app, that are going to be discussing the sermon series and the book every week. You can get on, on those groups in person or online. I challenge you to get more mileage out of the sermon and the book by getting in one of those groups. Sometimes God speaks so clearly to us through his word. And sometimes he speaks so clearly to us through his sung word. And the words in a moment are going to feel a little bit like a confession. It may be that you want to borrow those words. Open your heart in this moment. Let God begin that transformational work with you even now in these next few minutes. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.